0: Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and
1: techniques to power up your business.
2: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, I... We are going to have so much fun. I can guarantee that already, but we're also going to learn things because that is, of course, the reason for this program. But part of why we're going to have so much fun today is I'm talking with somebody here in Atlanta. You know, we've talked with people around the world in many countries, but it's always so much fun to to have somebody in our own backyard and even more, more fun about this is this person is somebody I have networked with several times. And finally, our paths crossed enough that we said, hello, how are you? We need to, to develop this business relationship more. And I said, oh, my darling, you've got to be on my radio program. And so please join me this morning in welcoming Lisa Faye to our program. Welcome, Lisa. Oh, it's so awesome to be here.
0: Thanks, Deb.
2: You know, and it really was one of those things where our paths crossed and our paths crossed and our paths crossed. And it wasn't until we were at a Marietta Business Association meeting where I believe you looked at me and said, I really do know you. And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) so um, but are you still there? We had kind of a crash of the mic. Oh, yes, I'm still here. That's okay. You know, a part of this is dealing with improv, as we will find out later. So, you know, things like that happen. Um, so, speaking of dealing with improv and having fun and all these various things, let me tell people a little bit about you first. Perfect. So, what happens when you combine a career in corporate America, an MBA from a top business school, and improv comedy? Then you add in passion to learn and teach? Well, you get a smart and experienced storyteller who shares her unique perspective in a way that can make you laugh as you learn. Lisa Fay went from college to that little behemoth Coca-Cola where she led all types of teams and was famous for catching people doing something right and rewarding them. From brain aneurysm survivor to an Emory MBA, from corporate life to creator of positive change in both people and business, from promising college co-ed to positions on boards at Emory University and UNC Chapel Hill, Lisa Faye, like cream, rises to the top in everything she does. Holy schmoly, welcome, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, this really is going to be so much fun and I loved it when you spoke at MBA earlier this year because I truly had never heard you speak. We really had just done the you know, quick handshake, hi, how are you thing at, at networking things. So I really didn't know what you did. And when I discovered everything that you um, have done, the services that you provide, all those various things, I was just truly fascinated. And, I, and really, I, I, you know, I was so looking forward to having you on the program. Well, thank you. That's quite a compliment. Now, tell us though, you know how you went from being at Coke to adding improv to all these various things into becoming this speaker that you are because it is a little bit different than many, many speakers out there,
0: yeah, well, you know, as they say, life happens right um, i I have a fundamental belief that uh, the universe talks to you mm-hmm. and you have to be receptive to listening, so. Right. I helped found the women's organization at Mm Coca-Cola. Some companies call them business resource groups. Right. Kind of thing. Um, And as such, I ended up being an officer um, in it and we were doing one of our developmental events and I had hired a speaker to come in uh, to talk at our conference Mm -hmm. and Since I had gotten a speaker, they let me go to main stage and introduce the speaker and then wrap the day of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And after the meeting, I was standing with the speaker and she said, you know, you're really good up there. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, thank you. And she said, no, I mean, you're really good up there. And I said, well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't think you understand what I am trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. And I said, probably not. And I'm really busy because we're wrapping the conference going on. Can I buy you lunch? Mm -hmm. He said, sure. So a few weeks later I bought this lady lunch and she said, have you ever considered becoming a speaker? And I said, well, no. And why do you say that? And she says, I see a lot of speakers. Mm -hmm. And she said, and you're really good. She said, and compared to corporate speakers, you're really, really great. They're awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so she suggested that I look at it. She told me the good, the bad, the ugly about the speaking business, um, how difficult it was, and some of the things she needed to think about. And as I sat back in that conversation, I realized that there was nothing in it for her. If I chose to pursue this or not. Right. So she was coming uh, from a real place of I'm just sharing what I think. Mm -hmm. So I left, I formed an LLC. I joined the national speakers association uh, here in Georgia I went through their ProPath program, developed my materials. And I started speaking while I was still at the Coca-Cola company. Mm-hmm. And, um, also, I mean, that story is kind of also how I got into improv. I had a woman that kept telling me that I ought to do improv and I figured out that I was going to continue to see her cause she was the best. Our best friends were getting married. Mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to be able to avoid her. You couldn't keep dodging that question. Yes. And so I said, if I take an improv class, will you leave me alone about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> said yes. And thus started my career in improv. I went from a two-hour class to a three-month class to a six-month class to a second six-month class to a not ready for primetime players. Um, I saw how improv was not... a not simply about comedy. It Mm -hmm. was about being in the moment and connecting with people. Right. And the tools that I used at improv had the ability to change the dynamics in any type of group interaction I was in. Mm -hmm. So when a meeting got stuck at work, when people weren't listening to each other, when we weren't able to get progress made, I could use some of the tools that I had used at improv Introduce them into that setting and have progress made, mm-hmm. forward momentum. And so then I eventually uh, married the two. Somebody heard um, that I had been doing some improv work. I got invited to speak at a TEDx here in Atlanta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that was my first TEDx. I um, sh- did another one a little bit later. Um, right after I left the company and decided to pursue speaking full time, and everything kind of snowballed from there, taking what you learn and what you see and really trying to create growth and positive momentum for everybody you come in contact with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. You know, and I, as you said, the skills that improv. Brings really can benefit business, and whether it's the you know the manager who's leading a weekly meeting, the corporate president, you know the the speaker, you know all of those various things. I think improv, and and I'll be honest, I've never taken improv. I've gone to improv, and then I've, I of course you know saw you speak, so I know just enough to be dangerous. But you know it it really is something that as someone who is speaking again, whether it's you know, team meeting, corporate meeting, you know whatever. Improv has such good skills that it brings because typically things happen during the programs. And that's one of the things that improv helps you deal with is, you know, what do you do when, you know, the waiter drops a great big tray and, and you know, stuff crashes all over? Um, what if you have, I had a heckler one time. I've talked about that before. I was, I was doing a LinkedIn program, people paid and I had a heckler. I was like, Really? A heckler at a LinkedIn <laughs> program. Um, but you know, knowing how to deal with that really was something that, that, um, was, I think, you know, that's, that's a skill that we need to have. And, and, but you know, it, it is something that you work with corporations on. So let's talk a little bit more about that because I think so many people go, well, yeah, improv is Saturday night live and yeah. And, and, but, but it is very important. so how can it improve our communications in the workplace by, by having those improv skills. Well, the interesting thing about improv is it's less about
0: what you say and more about listening and connecting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we have continued to be more social media affixed and people continue to, you know, heaven forbid I'd like anything or shop for anything online. Because that's all I'm going to see everywhere else, right? right. Algorithms have gotten so smart, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The challenge I find with that is it has served to only show us information that supports our own positions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we have stopped learning how to listen and to find common ground. Right. So when I think of how to move things forward in business, in life, in relationships, in everything you do, we've got to learn how to listen to each other again. And nobody wants to take a listening workshop. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that just sound boring? Uh. Everybody thinks they're great at listening. Mm-hmm. And what people usually are great at is waiting for a pause to input my point of view. Right. So the games of improv specifically one, um, the one I did a Ted talk about the power of yes. And is a simple way that forces you to listen and connect with what the other person is saying. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean I agree and I wholeheartedly endorse everything you say, but typically I can find something I agree in and what you're saying. And I take that and I build on it. Mm -hmm. And if you're working in team meetings, listening to different opinions, different perspectives, oftentimes we shut down ideas that aren't our own versus listening to understand what the idea was the merits of it, and define what maybe could be that one or two beneficial things mm-hmm. from your idea, and his idea, and her idea that can make an even better solution,
2: right, to the challenge we're making. You know, I keep wanting to say yes, and <laughs> <laughs> because because actually, I mean, that really was you know kind of kind of the the flow of how the conversation would go. But we did that yes and at the Marietta business thing where we we broke off. You had us break off into groups of two, with someone you didn't know. If I remember right, in fact, the, it, well, the person that I was with I'd never met before, and do the yes and. And what I found was it was really difficult. I you know it was especially, and I don't know if it made it better or worse that I had never met that person before, and it was it was so fun because he works for the Atlanta Braves he's in ticket sales so i got to know more about him and what he does by doing that yes and and you know and uh, what really impressed me about when we did it with mba was the amount of laughter that i heard you know because initially it was giggle giggle this is uncomfortable giggle giggle and then it evolved into the shut up, Lisa, we want to keep doing this <laughs> type
0: <laughs>
1: of, of laughter.
0: Which is perfect. And, you know, how did it feel when he yes-ended you?
2: It was awkward it because I wasn't, you know, it, I, I didn't want to direct the conversation because it, it I wanted to know more about him and the really funny thing was I think he had the same thing going on. So in in some ways we were kind of going at cross purposes. I wanted to know more about him, he wanted to know more about me, but it just didn't quite flow right. It really was a, it was a little awkward, but it still was very interesting the hard part really was to do the the yes and without just blathering on about something. You know, when he would make a statement, you wanted to just jump in and say, Oh my gosh, I've never been to a Braves game. And and that really wasn't what we were supposed to do. Well, one of the things that yes and will
0: help you to do is to find the common ground. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes, mm-hmm. but it is not the only way you communicate. Right. But it is especially helpful when you are at cross purposes
2: mm-hmm. or
0: coming from different perspectives.
2: Right. You know, and and people really do want their opinion acknowledged even if you don't agree and that's I, I think that really is the that yes and part so you're not saying you're a blankety blank idiot and here's what i think or you know you're stupid and i'm going to override you simply saying that yes and then you then you can direct it back the way you want it to go you know well yes and lisa but i just don't agree with you or you okay. know, something okay. like that here's where i'm going to stop you Because it should not be yes and but. Right. That's because then it is, you're taking it off in a different direction. And then because when we yes, but which Mm -hmm. is what we typically do
1: (coughs) Mm -hmm.
0: is it is all about us. Right. And our opinion and our perspective. And we're not taking, having the, taking the chance to explore the other person's perspective and Mm -hmm. to find What in all of that we can agree on or align on?
2: Right. Because yes, but is basically saying no. (laughs) Exactly right. Mm -hmm. It's saying, no, I don't
0: care. I'm not listening. I don't value what you say. I'm not going to spend time thinking through what your thought was. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to value your perspective. It really just shuts down people, and when you look at any business meeting, any interchange be- among two people wherever they are, no progress is made
1: mm-hmm.
0: in a yes, but world.
2: None, right? Because you know, it, one person, one group, one you know, whatever, ends up taking over. You know, and and so you might have temporary progress, but then you almost have kind of this undercurrent of the well that's not the way we wanted to do it type of of thinking mm-hmm. um, you know and, and and it was interesting because part of when we were doing the exercise what i really found myself saying was yes and tell me more you know or yes that really sounds interesting you know mm-hmm. how did like this this young man you know how did you get into ticket sales at the, with the Atlanta Braves you know and 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 it was hard to, again, you know, and, and clearly clearly um, I have trouble speaking and I'm shy and, you know, all those things. And, <laughs> and so I, I had to rein that in and it was clear that he was a little bit more reserved. You know, part of it was, I'm sure he was looking at me thinking, Oh my gosh, who is this person? But you know, to, to just say yes, and tell me more and then shut up. <laughs> you know, and, and I'll be honest, that really was hard for me to do.
0: Yeah. And, and um, you know, You don't make people improvisers overnight. Right. right? But this tool I have found is I have done it with um, several computer programming um, software companies in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Somehow there was a, um, I don't know if I was in some computer magazine or something, but I got hired by several software companies and they talk about, being able to do to hold up the yes and Mm -hmm. as a way to break through log jams Mm -hmm. and a simple tool that says, okay, let's stop and redirect this conversation. Right. And let's figure out a way to make other people feel heard Mm -hmm. and feel listened to because I find that we all come into situations with very different perspectives Mm -hmm. based on our experience, our um, exchanges, quite honestly, what happened to me this morning on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And I am more likely to support something that I help create. And if I am able to be heard and you take some shred of what I say and listen to it and value it. Even if this thing doesn't go entirely my way, mm-hmm. I am more apt to support it because I help to contribute to it. Right. It's, I think it's a, re- a big tool for collaboration. Mm-hmm um and quite honestly if you're just going to tell people what to do just tell them what to do and don't waste my
2: time pretending that it's something else right and let's be honest there are times where that has to happen i mean yes. you know and in for for whatever reason at you know at the corporate level volunteerism whatever it's this is what has to be done here's how we're going to do it now go do it Right. you know and and but Again, you get better buy in when people at least felt that they had some input mm-hmm. um, you know and and it 's been a long time since I have been in corporate America but i thinking back on those days, it really was you know you can see that where when he, and and we would have you know the we had a, a CEO who really liked to get input from his employees and then through kind of a variety of reasons that changed um, and you know he was he was still the the CEO but the corporation that the parent company started making a lot of big changes. And, and, and that showed, you know, he no longer really had input. And I mean, that was, that was what we all knew. You know, he would tell us one thing and then the next week something totally different would come out. And, you know, it it made it very difficult for him because he knew his opinion was no longer valued. And so he just kind of, you know, in many ways gave up. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and the challenge I would give you is this is not a corporate America thing. It's an anywhere. It's an anywhere thing. It's your conversation over a dinner table with your friends or family. Mm -hmm. It is the volunteer work that you do. It is anywhere where you have a set of people communicating.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and even if they're agreeing with you, it helps you to delve deeper. Yes. Yes. Well and of course now we have this phenomenon <clears throat> to put it nicely of social media where oh holy schmoly. I mean there are days where I just don't even go on Facebook because of of everything that's being posted and all the negatives and and so many times I just won't even get in the discussions I mean you know there's there's just no point and I skip right on and and I'm not going to do it but I've I've shared this before with uh, my listeners and it's been quite a while since I told this story where I did get into it wasn't a disagreement. Anyhow, I didn't think it was a disagreement with someone on social media. And it really was one of those where that little voice in my head was saying, no, danger, don't go there, don't go there. Um, you know, it was, it was someone who I knew in the real world, and he made a really nasty, negative comment about my beloved University of Colorado Buffalo f- football team. Um, you know, here I am in Atlanta, we still have our CU football season tickets. So that's how, how beloved they are. Um, and he made this remark online, and I couldn't let it go. But I, I tried to keep it really civil and see his point of view, you know. And and but of course, you know, I was trying to convince him of my point of view, and so we had several exchanges that went back and forth, and and I tried to keep it civil. But you know, that whole little voice in my head was saying, "Stop, danger! Don't go there." And it was so funny you, because were hmm? you yes, budding him. I was, Uh, yeah. See, that was it. I was, I was yes, but, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that that tone came through when I was typing as opposed to yes. And tell me why you have that, that philosophy or, you know, something like that. And so, yeah, I was, I was yes, butting him. And it was so funny because he got snarkier and the snarkier he got, the more I really tried to keep it civil And, but it reached a point where I finally did realize, okay, stupid, this is not going anywhere, you know, and, and, and part of it was, I'm sure, because I was yes, butting him. And, but I ended it with, this really has been a great discussion. I can't wait to, to see you when I come back to Denver and I'll be, I would love to take you to coffee so we can discuss this further. He unfriended me just like that. I which I thought was really funny. Um because I I thought that I'd been trying to keep it civil, but you're right. I was yes butting him, which just made him matter.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Nobody's opinion has ever been
2: changed on Facebook. Ugh. Actually sometimes it or more than more often than not, it reinforces my opinion. I'm like, exactly. okay. Uh You know, and it's not about the issue that they're discussing, whatever that issue may be, you know, whether it's college football, politics, you know, all these, these various things, that issue, my mind isn't changed on. What happens, though, is I look at the person who posted and think, yes or no you know this is and and i typically don't really unfriend anybody you know i now i might unfollow them you know here's here's a key folks here's here's this nifty little thing that facebook lets you do you can unfollow them and you're still friends with them. So they still see your posts, <laughs> but you don't see their posts. And you can also do it for 30 days, too. I mean, you know, Facebook Facebook has finally figured out, you know, that, that people are going to have disagreements, but they might still want to stay connected. But you need it a is, cooling off period. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And, and then that 30 days is up, and I poke that button again. Um, but it has definitely, Facebook, especially because that's you know where I spend the majority of my time. It has reinforced and sometimes changed my opinion about people. You know, there are people I've had on this program where based now on Facebook posts that they post, I wouldn't have them on again, even though it's totally different what they, you know, they, when I had them on the program, fabulous business programs, you know, nothing wrong with that. What I see them posting on Facebook now, it's like, ooh, they're not a person I'd want to know in real life. So really not somebody I'd want to have on the program again. And and I know that they understand that, you know, posting things like that is, you know, is going to, to happen. And obviously they're entitled to their opinions. But I think that is one of the tricky things with Facebook is, you know, we just get that little slice you know, maybe, may, may, and we don't know why they're posting. And, you know, this comes back to, we, we don't know how to listen. We don't have good communication skills, all those various things. You know, I don't know if somebody posted that link to that article to generate discussion. Maybe they were devil's advocate. Maybe they hit the wrong button and didn't really mean, you know, all these various things. And so because we can easily poke that unfollow button or unfriend, we just, you know, cut them out of our lives, <laughs> be done with you instead of having communication with them. And some, you know, and I think that really has become, you know, whether it's in the office, whether it's Facebook, all those various things, because we're not communicating because we're not listening, we just done with them, you know, and, and all those various things.
0: Well, the the other thing that I have a rule that I have come to embrace for myself, Mm -hmm. that is very, very difficult. I will say that up front is, Assume good intent, right? And we don't. We assume bad intent. Mm -hmm. And and I'll be honest, I jump there immediately. They mm they said that to hurt me. They
1: didn't agree with me.
0: They don't want me to be successful. Mm -hmm. They whatever, right? Instead of saying okay, I'm going to step back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume they meant well because I think most people aren't inherently evil. Right. They do not spend their life, their day, trying to think about how to make me miserable.
2: Mm-hmm. And was, I'll be honest, they probably really don't care that much about me.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. So once I step away from that, it helps me figure out, overlook, sometimes delivery, mm-hmm. for the message.
2: Right. And it's funny because my husband will tell me that because I'll be you know telling him so and so said such and such. And, and and out of his mouth will come the words and I'm sure they said it with that tone, didn't they? <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> you know? and of course he's right. You know, they might have said it's an absolutely beautiful day today. And I heard it as it's a beautiful day today. You know, and, and, and that really is where it's complicated when it's the written, the typed word, because oh, yeah. we don't hear that tone. And even if somebody puts one of those stupid little emojis, you know, I'm like, okay, so it's the crying emoji. What did that mean? <laughs> And so that's where, you know, I think communication really has suffered so much because we've gotten into these habits of jumping to conclusions to only to, and and, to really reading into it far more than what they had intended.
0: And we don't talk to each other anymore. We do not pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. I have um, some new friends that I've made in the last, you know, five years and some of them only text. Right. And it makes me crazy Mm -hmm. because I don't understand, I don't, I don't have the benefit of how they said it or what they mean or mm-hmm. the broader context. And then I I just pick up the phone and call them and say, can we just talk about this? Right. We can. Mm-hmm. We can figure this out in mm-hmm. like five seconds versus mm-hmm. five hours of texting back and forth.
2: Right. Well, and it is so subject to, to misinterpretation and, and all of those things. And and it's so funny. You you met the the wonderful Angela Ochiltree, who is the president right now of Marietta Business Association. Yes. And I work closely with her because I do their email and their websites. And so we frequently will just quick text back and forth, you know, delete this, do that, you know, all that. And, and so that works really well. But then if it gets down to maybe two or three levels further down, she... Will pick up the phone and call me, and you know, and part of it is it's just easier. You know, <laughs> we're yeah. not those eighteen-year-old kids who can type faster than we can speak. You know, and and but then it's so much easier <clears throat> to to understand where each of us is coming from when we're actually speaking on the phone. Yep. You know, and 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 we do. We just we've. I don't know if it's well. It is kind of society that we. You know, we're we're moving so quickly. We have the attention span of now. It's less than goldfish. You know, I always said gnats, and I wasn't quite sure how they determine that. But I mean, you really can measure a goldfish. And but you know, and and part of it's squirrel. <laughs> oh yeah. And so you might text me or send me an email, and I might deal with it then. I might deal with it later. And as you mentioned, everything else in our life colors it. You know, am I just cranky? When I'm reading it, or am I really in a good mood? And so I'm going to think, oh my gosh, wow. You know, that was, that was a, you know, such a nice comment. Whereas if I've got you on the phone or on video conference or whatever, I can see your facial expressions. I can read your body language. When you laugh, I can actually tell it's a sincere laugh as opposed to a ha ha emoji. (laughs) And, and I think that really is, to me, that's probably one of the, most basic things that we have really lost is that ability to communicate face-to-face. I mean, it's not quite face-to-face when you're on the phone, but closer to in-person than, than not. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've,
0: we have talked ourselves into thinking that email and texting is faster and more efficient, and that's why we don't want to get on the
2: phone. Right. Well, and part of it is because when we get on the phone, usually it's not just, "Hey, you know, we need to do such and such and such." Because then it's, "Oh my gosh!" Like when we started the program today, before we were actually on the air, I was asking you about your vacation, you know, all these various things, and and but so we don't just you know deal with that issue and be gone, you know it. But that's part of what makes us human. It makes us really connect with people. Is talking about the vacation, talking about what was on TV last night. You know, all these various things. So it's it's more a matter of getting back to knowing how to communicate, so we're not just blathering on and wasting somebody's time, but still having those relationships that we're building.
0: Well, and and that's how you create relationships. Mm-hmm. The, the I don't really create a relationship over texting. Right. I create a relationship engaging with you, Mm -hmm. live time, real time, hearing you, understanding you. And I think we've got one of the things we can learn is to put different parameters around things. So I have somebody that I coach Mm -hmm. and so I'll have a conversation that says, okay, what are we trying to get done today Mm -hmm. and ground us on that? And we often then spend other time doing other things, but we come back to this is what I needed to get done today. And Mm -hmm. let's handle that. I think we can help manage each other differently by saying, Hey, I saw it was a great vacation. That's awesome. And I'd love to follow up with you on that later. Mm -hmm. But I've got two quick questions to finish this thing. I'm trying to get done by uh, 11 o'clock. Right. Knock that out great. We'll touch base later.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of times it is just directing other people to what you need
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and setting them. You can set up scenarios by helping direct people for what you need. Mm -hmm. And we don't take the time to do that.
2: Right. We've kind of lost you there for a moment. Are you there?
0: I'm still here. Okay.
2: Um, And... So it is about establishing those parameters, those expectations. Um, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking I was in a meeting the other day where you know I was there with another consultant. We were meeting with a potential client, and we were probably 45 minutes into the meeting when the potential client looked at the consultant and said, Well, now this is your meeting, so are we accomplishing what you wanted? And later that consultant said, he told me privately, "I had no idea he thought of it as my meeting." He said, because we would have gone at it very differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And now did we accomplish what we you know what we had set out to do? Yes, but it really would have gone different if we had those different parameters there and, and, you know, and and I hear people all the time saying, well, you know, this didn't happen the way I wanted that didn't happen, you know, and, 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 you know, that meeting didn't happen the way I wanted. Well, did you have an agenda that you shared with people? Did you even tell people what the meeting was about (laughs) and you know, all those various things. And it's back to what we were saying. We're lacking in those communication and those listening skills.
0: I, I totally agree. I, I, um, I recently uh, spoke to a bunch of attorneys Mm -hmm. and we talked about the tools that I used in sales for meeting planning Mm -hmm. and understanding who's in the room. Why are they in the room? What do they think is going to be accomplished? How do they feel coming into this? Are they excited about meeting with me? Are they, you know, do they think, oh my gosh, I have to go. Yeah. And, and if you understand that, it totally, if you spend a few minutes to think through that, mm-hmm. it will change the way you open, handle, and direct that session. Right. Because it's about, if you focus your thinking on what is the goal or the outcome versus just what do I want to tell you, mm-hmm.
2: If the flow is different. Right. Well, and you can't really achieve that goal or outcome if you haven't communicated it. You know, it was, it was like that meeting, you know, who who was in charge, who was in charge would have very different outcomes for the meeting. Right. You know, it's, this is fascinating because I think we have, you know, as, as we've mentioned, we've fallen into the, the traps of it's so much easier to text. It's so much easier to email, you know, to, to, to quick respond on Facebook, you know all of these things, and I've had people say, "Well, it's because I'm so busy." I'm sorry, we're no busier than we used to be. You know, now we might have piled more things into our day, but you still just have 24 hours in your day. You know <laughs> all these various things, and so it it comes back to you know managing your time, all those those things, but. If we are communicating better to start with, then our time gets managed better. I mean, you know, how many times have we gone into meetings, one person, 10 people, 100 people, whatever, and because we didn't have those clear outcomes, the agenda, you know, whatever it was, the 10-minute meeting becomes an hour meeting, a two-hour meeting, and you all walk out going... What was the purpose? Wow, we just wasted two hours. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I think that's part of why you know, we're all going, "Oh my gosh, you know, ugh, I just have too many things to do, and then we don't go to that meeting or we don't pay attention, or you know, how many times have we looked out and they're using their phones because they're on Facebook, they're checking their email, they're doing whatever, um, you know and and, and it's, it really is you know, we just we have to communicate better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think we have gotten into this um, rhythm of a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I checked that off. I checked that off. I checked that right. off. Versus, we did not have the assumption that this would be resolved in 60 seconds before. Mm-hmm. That we were much more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed time often enough anymore to be thoughtful.
1: Right.
2: It's funny. I was preparing for another guest um, that I'll be interviewing. And part of what she is, her premise was that you spend 30 minutes every day, every morning, actually, she said, you know, doing, thinking of gratitude and, and all of these various things. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, these are really good ideas, but I'm sorry, I don't have 30 minutes. <laughs> you know? And And of course, I do have 30 minutes. (laughs) It's a matter of prioritizing and and thinking about all of those things and, and really figuring out what's important and where I want to spend my time.
0: Yeah. Well, I I was working with um, another client recently and I was talking to them about um, they spent all their time being so busy at the Mm -hmm. end of the week. They felt like they got nothing done. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the first things we did is calendarize everything they have to do. Right. Including walking the dog. Mm -hmm. And they said, but that overwhelms me. And I said, these are the things that here's what I heard you say was important. Here are the things that have to happen in your routine. I want you to put them down all in a calendar so you can control them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And every Sunday night, every Monday morning, whatever it is, then you can look at your week and make decisions, right? Oh, you, I said, cause you've said exercise is important, but you don't find the time to do it. Okay. Now we've got it on your calendar two days a week mm-hmm. now. And on Tuesday, and I don't remember what time, Tuesday morning and Thursday morning. Okay. On Sunday night, you look at your calendar and say, well, these are the things I have to get done. I'm not going to walk Tuesday morning. I'm going to move that to Tuesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. That is what should empower you versus overwhelm you. Right.
2: And And it's really made a difference for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and seeing that kind of bigger picture is, you're right. That's where we stop being overwhelmed and we prioritize. You know, we think, okay, there's an, you know, an hour meeting that I really don't need to go to. So that's gone off my calendar. Or, you know, like you said, I'm, I am going to exercise every Tuesday and Thursday, and I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. Then you rearrange your schedule so that it does. Now, will there be days that you can't? Sure. I mean, you know, things happen. But it it is about that. And it's funny because I'm I'm kind of loosey goosey with my schedule and I you know and and my husband is the exact opposite. <laughs> he he actually for his he he does lists. Oh my heavens, this man does lists. And it says things like drive home 20 minutes. And I'm thinking he has to tell himself he has to drive home. <laughs> you know? But it it's exactly what you were saying because he has done that then he sees where he needs to move things around, what he needs to prioritize, and it makes him feel less overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and, I shouldn't make fun of his lists anymore.
0: And, well, you know, everybody has a different way right. to work
2: for mm-hmm. them.
0: But you're right. It does say, now, maybe a... Maybe now that I know that I don't have an hour for that meeting, Mm -hmm. I figure out how to make it a 15-minute meeting or to handle it some other way. Right. How do I make those things more efficient?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And everything doesn't have to be structured. That's not what I'm saying.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: In fact, in some of my my coaching sessions, while we have one thing we want to accomplish, we have no idea what else we're going to talk about. And they always... I you know I I check back with my client and say okay was this beneficial to you. Oh my mm-hmm. god,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. And
0: I had no idea we were going to tackle this today. Right. So again, just because it has some structure doesn't mean everything is totally structured and planned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You allow for the improvisation of your day
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the
2: opportunities to work for the greater good. Right. You know, and and because you have set expectations had you know everybody's on the same page or at least you know close to that same page then if you know say you're in a meeting and something else comes up then you determine do we need to to deal with it here or is that postponed to another time you know and 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 when people understand that they're more likely to say well Yes, Lisa, and here's my thought process on, you know, why we should do this. Okay, you know, that's that's a subject for another meeting, or wow, you know, that just took us in a totally different direction, but we absolutely have to go there. And again, that comes back to being fluid with all of that. Yep, absolutely. You know, I think we all have been in meetings where it's, this is the agenda. We do not (laughs) deviate from the agenda. And, and so what happens is you've got the the person sitting up at the top, they run the meeting, people don't raise their hands. They certainly don't want to speak because, you know, and, or, or they, and typically what they do is they're just, yes, people, there's no yes. And they just agree and, and go from there, you know, whether they are really agreeing or not, because they know that they're going to get shot down. And, And of course, those are the worst type of, of meetings to have. Or conversations. I mean, you know, one-on-one, that happens also, where you know it's it's a waste of time. Yep. So one of the things that you also do is you train people on how to be better salespeople. And I love this because I think, you know, unless somebody is a natural-born salesperson, we all go, ah,
0: sales,
2: <laughs> I hate sales. And But of course, if we are in business especially, you know, many of my my listeners are entrepreneurs, small business owners, but you know, some are our employees. But no matter what, we're in sales all the time. You know, whether it's that we're selling our idea to the boss or selling products and services. So let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you work with people to improve, you know, them as as salespeople. Well I'll
0: tell you, the best salesmen
2: are little kids. Oh yeah. Okay. I will buy that lemonade no matter what.
0: <laughs> but they also figure out how to get mom to do what they want them to do, mm-hmm. how to get dad to do what I want dad to do. Oh, right. And it's two different strategies. Mm-hmm. I know the things mom will say yes to, and I know mm-hmm. the things dad will say yes to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think the fundamental in sales is you have to decide, are you going to be a solution salesperson mm-hmm. or are you going to be a product salesperson?
2: And we darn well better be solution salespeople.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the reason you don't like the used car salesman or whatever picture that you have in your head of selling is bad and manipulative mm-hmm. is all about somebody that has something they want to force you to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so lucky to have spent 30 years at the Coca-Cola company where I like to say we were more expensive and worth it. Mm -hmm. And the reason that you buy is your unique reason. And a hundred people will buy the same thing, but for a different reason. Right. And what really great salespeople do is ask good questions and listen.
2: And let's say that again. Listen.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And what I'm listening for are the things that you need that in my products and services that I have to offer matches to you.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Even in my speaking business, when somebody calls me about wanting to hire a speaker I will ask them questions about what they're looking for, what's important, et cetera. And sometimes I'll say, Gosh, I have great clarity now on what you're looking for. I'm not your person. Because mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is sell yourself, sell your idea, sell your product into a situation where it is going to fail. Right. A short term win with a long-term fail, you're not going to build credibility. You're not going to build sales. You're not going to build your business. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's so hard, especially for an entrepreneur, a small business owner who has bills to pay, you know, all these various things because they want to be everything to everyone. And, and they're always thinking, you know, in, in many cases that, quantity is much better than quality. So I'm going to sell my product to a hundred people, even though maybe only 10 of them need it, but I sold it to those hundred people. Well, then you've got 90 people who weren't happy, you know, who might go onto social media and say, oh my God, don't ever go to this person. You know, all these various things. And it comes back to listening. And it is so funny because you were talking about this and I'm thinking it's the improv again. You know, as as you're talking with this potential client, you need to do this yes and to really delve deeper into what it is that they need. And, and, and again, it might not be you, you know, and hopefully then you can refer them to somebody else, but you know, you really don't want to deal with them just to make that money. No,
0: because what, again, what's the statistic? Um, An upset person tells 10 of their friends Mm -hmm. and a happy person only tells one. Right. So now you've got 90 people. Talking about how awful it was, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it may not represent the quality of your product. What made it awful was it wasn't the thing that they needed, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't a good fit.
2: Absolutely, and I think so many people need to understand that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with what you're selling, you know, it just wasn't a fit for them. Yeah, it's Starbucks, great example. I love Starbucks. You know, and 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 actually, maybe I should say it more. I love the, the coffee because I'm one of those foo-foo coffee people. Now, I don't go in and order, you know, 900, I, I'm just, a <laughs> uh, uh, you know, white mocha, no whip. I mean, you know, I'm pretty simple on my order, but, you know, I like that coffee. I know people who won't go to Starbucks because they just like coffee. <laughs> you know, and or maybe they're iced tea people or whatever. It doesn't mean Starbucks is bad or good. You know, and we're not going to get into the political you know aspects of small business versus large business. Blah, blah, blah. It just means that their product isn't for everyone. Yeah, you know, and 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 they know that they market to the people who like the white. Caramel macchiato, half whip, whatevers. You know, Dunkin' Donuts, which you know is, is huge down here in the South. We we have had one Dunkin' Donuts in all of the state of Colorado. I had no idea what Dunkin' Donuts was like till I moved down here. They have the fru-fru coffees, but they have coffee. They have coffee. You know, just regular coffee, and that's you know that is their target audience. They know that in many cases, yes, you're going there for their donuts, but you're going just for a cup of coffee.
0: Well, and the better, the best thing you can do as a business person is really understand your target market and who you serve Mm -hmm. the best, right? Because by doing that, it enables you not to, you know, you go to a hundred people because you're trying to serve everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. You can't do that well. I need a hundred people that are really targeted against me. Mm-hmm. It's even true in restaurants. I managed um, the in- marketing for independent restaurants across mm-hmm. the U S while I was at Coke.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when we looked into statistics of which independent mom and pop restaurants lasted longer, it was those that niche. Right. So the Italian restaurant, the Greek restaurant, those were going to have typically longer lifespan than the person that cooked everything. and right. had a very
2: expensive menu. Yeah. the The all American, which they had like, Two of each, you know, so they had two Italian dishes. They had two German dishes, two. And I'm like, really? So that means they don't do any of it well. Right. You know, and that is hard for business owners is to figure out, and and we talk a lot about this on this program, is your target market, and I don't care who you are or what you sell, is not everyone. You know, and let me say that again, folks. Your target market is not everyone. Everyone, I mean, Coca-Cola is a great example of that. I happen to be a Coca-Cola fan, you know, and, and Coca-Cola, not diet, not, you know, and, either, and, and, you know, of course, then I have to go to McDonald's to get the even better Coca-Cola, but that's a different story. Um, but there are people who think, look, I'm a Pepsi fan. You know, and, and so that's great. You know, you have these different markets and, and you go after them, but you, again, recognize that your product, your service is not for everyone. And one of the things I think that Coke has done so well is
0: expand their product line. So they have something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because the Coke drinker, Coke, Coke, classic, Mm -hmm. It's not the Diet Coke drinker necessarily. It's not the vitamin water drinker, which is not the smart water drinker, Mm -hmm. which is not the milk drinker who is not the simply orange juice drinker. Mm -hmm. And it's having great brands across all those categories Mm -hmm. to be able to to serve multiple consumers.
2: Right. You know, and they still won't hit everybody. Um, you know, Amazon is probably a great example of that where they have expanded into so many different product offerings from, you know, initially books. You know, now they, they sell food online. They sell all these various things. But there are still people who will not order online, period. Doesn't matter what they offer. They're not going to order online. And there's probably no way they're ever going to reach those people or or convince them otherwise because, and, and it, you know, who knows why, you know, maybe it's, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of people who do, you know, they don't think it's secure. They're not going to put their credit cards in there. And I don't care what Amazon says, that person is still going to think it's not safe, you know, and, and so they're not going to order from them. So again, their audience is not everyone.
0: Absolutely right.
2: You know And, and it comes back to exactly what we've been saying. They listened you know, they knew that not everybody is going to buy their product or their service coke again great example of that when they came out with new coke Gah! <laughs> you know? and and they listened now granted you know part of that was they were listening with with you know that those cash registers not ringing but you know they weren't going to convince people that it was a better product and they went back to classic Coke. I love the you know, love that they called it that. But yeah, they listened, you know, and, and people went, Nope, not so much. And they said, okay, fine. You know, we we listened to what you wanted and we're going back to the original. They didn't keep trying to say, we're sorry, we're only going to sell new Coke. Um, and that's that's hard for business people. You know, we think we've got the greatest thing since sliced bread. But if nobody's gonna buy it or tell their friends to buy it, it's not gonna matter in the slightest. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Well, Lisa, we've got just a couple minutes left. So tell folks just a little bit more about what you do and how we find you online.
0: Awesome. Well, so I am, I would say I, I'm a speaker who consults and a speaker who coaches. My primary business is as a keynote speaker. And I talk to with individuals and organizations who are really trying to get the growth on. How do I grow my business, myself, faster?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I share secrets that I've learned from 30 years at the Coca Cola Company. I talk about how to sh- do shortcuts to the corner office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also talk about really how to drive and inspire creativity, connection, and collaboration through comedy. I am not your PowerPoint person lecturer. I need a wireless mic because I'm going to work. You move. <laughs> I do. And we're going to have fun and we're going to interact. Mm-hmm. Um, so the it, best way to find me is I have a website, Lisa and it's F E Y like Tina Faye. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you can find me online. You can email me Lisa at Lisa and I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook um, and I would love to talk to you about great opportunities for people who are really trying to
2: rev up their performance and grow, grow, grow. Right. You know, and, and I think it's very important to note that even though you're using laughter, you're using improv and things like that, people do learn. I mean, you know, the, I heard you several months ago and I still remember the talking points, all of those various things. And because it made an impression and maybe it made the impression because we laughed, you know, it wasn't this, I'm sitting here taking notes today, I'm about to die of boredom type of presentation. You know, but again, that's not for everybody. I mean, there are some people who that's, that's just not their wheel set. <laughs> But, you know, it is something, and, and I, again, I love how you use laughter, how you get the audience involved. Um, I've been in touch with the, the guy from the Braves just to follow up, to say, hey, you know, let's, let's get together sometime, simply because we did that yes and exercise. So, you know, again, kudos, because it was, what, a 20-minute presentation? Yep. And absolutely fabulous. I like to think Lisa Faye, when you have Lisa Faye come in and speak, it's an experience. Mm -hmm. It's not a speech. Right. And and there are times where we need the speech. And every person's skill set as a speaker is different. But, you know, when you get that room energized, and I think the big thing was, and I saw several people do this. So, you know, it wasn't just me, and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you right now. When they said, you were finished, we looked at our watches and thought, no, 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 no. Ten minutes more. Five minutes more. Come on, please. <laughs> so well, that yeah. is the biggest compliment that you can pay, pay me. Right. Yeah. I looked at my watch and thought, oh, no. And, and obviously, then I came up to you afterwards and said, okay, darling, we have to continue this discussion.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And
2: it has been... My pleasure uh, spending the last hour with you. You know, it uh, it really has been fun. And, and I hope that people learned that we have to communicate more. We have to listen, 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 listen more. You know, don't text. It, it, well, I shouldn't say that because, yes, we are going to text. But, you know, talk to people. Realize that there is a person at the other end and, you know, communicate with them. Listen to them. Do the yes and, you know, do the yes and with your kids at dinner. You know, just see how that goes. You know, do the yes and with your clients, your customers, all those various people, and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that it will improve, you know, your life, whether it's personal, professional, all those various things. Absolutely. Great. Well, I have been having an absolutely fabulous time talking with Lisa Fay of LisaFay.com. I am Deb Creer, and until next time. Everyone have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join
2: us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.